When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads, Land Grant, Holy Land's college basketball podcast. My name is Connor Lamont, and I'm here with Justin Goble for episode 66 of our College Hoops podcast. Justin, we sat here two weeks ago as Ohio State entered what we thought could be a possibly favorable four-game stretch, and we agreed that if Ohio State could win three of the four games, which we're thinking back was... Uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Northwestern, Michigan State, three of the four at home. If they could win three of those games, not only would they have a chance to get in the tournament, but they would be back on track to get in the tournament. Ohio State has lost all four. That's what they did. (laughs) They're 3-11 in the Big Ten. They are in 13th place in front of Minnesota. They have a nice two-game cushion over Minnesota, but they are now, I think, two games behind Minnesota for that that highly sought after 12th place spot now. I'm two behind Nebraska. I'm sorry. Two games behind Nebraska. Um, yeah, but you know, Connor, if they win their next six, I think they'll be in good shape to, uh, <laughs> I, if, it's, it's funny. I think we've been doing this the entire time. I'm just like, well, if they went through the next four, you know, and at some point you just got to admit they suck. Um, and then that was my last, yeah, that was my last stand. Was yeah. Like, at this point, they got to win the Big Ten tournament, maybe. You know what's hilarious, though? <laughs> this is such a stupid thing to say. If they don't see Purdue, I could still see them winning the Big Ten tournament. I don't know. <laughs> oh, this team is crazy. I don't get it, man. It's tough to watch. Um, 
uh, have I you had Ohio people St- ask you people ask yes. you about Ohio State that, didn't, that yeah. didn't previously ask you about Ohio State that like if they were doing well they would just let you go uh-huh. but now they suck oh. like Justin what's going on with this team you, you follow this team what's going on brother you don't even know <laughs> the amount of text messages I get I walked into work the other day my real job because as we said as good as we as good as we are at this this is not our this is not our full time jobs we have jobs I walked into work the other day sat down. And from behind me, I heard, hmm, Michigan State, huh? This is people that do not watch college basketball, do not follow college basketball. They just know I am Ohio State fan, and they like to see me in pain for some odd reason. Yes, that's what happens when your team isn't good. Or I've also noticed, it's funny, when Kent State was on an absolute tear, I was starting to get some text messages about them. So I've gotten those text messages this year on both sides of the aisle. Um but a lot more about Ohio State for sure. Yeah, I got people – I work at a government office, people in suits and ties and uh, – like I work in a government office and I have had people who have never, ever asked me about basketball who are stopping at my desk and are saying, what is going on with Ohio State basketball? And I'm like, you've never you – have, you have never taken the time out of your day to ask me how Ohio State beat – whatever before how did they win that game now it's like what in the world is going on with this dumpster fire and i'm just like you know well and that's that's the funny part is they don't want the answer because the answer is like i can have a 30 minute conversation with you about this they don't want the answer they just want you to say they suck um which i do think it's it's what the what the issues are going on right now i do think are deeper than that um but it is kind of interesting that it seems like whenever your teams are playing poorly People tend to talk to you about them more as a Browns fan and a Reds fan. I can really That's what I wanted to look up. I wanted to pull the standings up just to see how bleak it is, how far behind. I think they are two games behind Nebraska. Yeah, well, no, it's three. And, no, they're two and a half games behind. Well, That's a Nebraska two. got a big win last night at the rack. So Temporary pause. It is absurd that the 12th place team in the Big Ten is 6-10. and 10. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we knew the Big Ten was going to be bunched up. Unfortunately, I think we thought Ohio State would be in that bunch. <laughs> but like, let me see here. So, in fourth place right now is a one, two, three, four-way tie of Maryland, Illinois, Michigan State, and Iowa, all at eight and six. And Nebraska is six and ten. <laughs> Nebraska is two games away from getting a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, and they are in twelfth place. <laughs> we're at this weird point where I was watching the Maryland game the other day. I forget who they were playing. And I said out loud to myself, because I live alone, I said out loud, Connor, I think Ohio State could use Akeem Hart. And at that moment, I realized, man, we're in a tough spot. We're in trouble. (laughs) We're in a tough spot. Because I still think that sentence is true. But it's a problem when you have to say it. Get 30. It's it's, just looking at the Big Ten standings is just. No diss to Akeem Hart, by the way. It's. It's so it's just so weird that yeah I mean you have Purdue. Well, the problem is they're ahead of Minnesota, but you can't even brag about that because they're Minnesota's one win. <laughs> this is the most the Big Ten is going to eat itself that the Big Ten has ever been. Like they say that every year, the Big Ten is going to eat itself. Any other year, Purdue at twelve and three with five to go, Purdue would be like in the hunt for the Big Ten title, but by no means a favorite. It's pretty much over. Like Purdue. I guess Purdue could stumble down the down the down the road here and go three and two or two and three. I don't expect that to happen though. Um, it's more or less wrapped up for Purdue, and then teams two through twelve are all 
separated by two games. Yeah, I will say the Northwestern game was the first time I saw Purdue kind of really look like they faltered or kind of gave a game away. It felt like all their other losses felt like the other team just won the game, but um, that was the first time I was watching. I was like, man, Purdue kind of gave this one away. But uh, And I was watching that over Ohio State and Michigan State, by the way. <laughs> also, if you if you bet on games, it's fun to look at the the spread with Ohio State when they play different teams because Vegas still very much considers Ohio State like in you know, a Ohio different... State has, has broken every metric computer Vegas yeah, whatever Vegas, it is they broke they've broken it Vegas still considers Ohio State in a tier with like Michigan Wisconsin Michigan State maybe Penn State they might even be above Penn State if you look at lines by that I mean like if Purdue goes to travel to Ohio State, the the line will probably be like right now. It would probably be like Purdue two and a half or Purdue I'd say two three to and three. a half. Yeah. And if Purdue went to Nebraska, which I think has already happened this year, the line is probably going to be like Purdue seven and a half or Purdue six and a half or something. Even though Nebraska is like two and a half games up on Ohio State, it's like even Vegas is still like very much considering Ohio State to be in a tier above like Minnesota, Nebraska, I want to say Penn state, but they probably lumped them in relatively close with like Penn state, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, because Ohio state, other than the Michigan state game and the Indiana game out of these 12, it's pretty much like a five or six point game with two minutes every time. Yeah. And they just look at each other and they say, guys, huddle up. How are we going to fuck this up? Okay. And break. And then they find a way to fuck it up. And they look like that in their faces, too. They don't look confident. They look like they know they're going to find a way to fuck it up. And they always do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not even like – it's not even game – because my always thing is like it always tends to to even out when you're chasing the whole game, right? You can cut it to four, but then if they just – you're always in fear of that. Like you can never make a mistake, you know, right? Even if, if you're down by ten, you can cut it to two. But one bad defensive and offensive possession, it's another it's a six point game again. You know, you just you're never in good position, but like the Northwestern game and the Wisconsin game weren't like that. They were winning. It was just like you need to pull away now. And they never pulled away. And then Boo Boo hits a couple shots down the stretch, or I don't even I don't remember the Wisconsin game, but I know they lost. Like it, these games are just really starting to mold together in my brain. But like the Michigan State game was kind of a I don't want it's not a fluke because they lost, that's all they do. But I mean, I'm just the, the shooting from the field was just abysmal. I mean, they were even the even the Michigan shots. even even the Michigan State game though it it was different from the Indiana game because in the end, Indiana game Indiana built a massive lead in the first half. They went into halftime up by a ton, and that's where it stayed. The Michigan State game, Ohio State was down. What a terribly ugly first half! It was twenty-seven to fourteen. I think. My goodness. But anyway, they scored 14 points in the first like five minutes of the segment. Yeah. And then Ohio State gets it back within five by like the 10 minute mark. Ohio State is back within five points with 10 minutes to go. And that is that is I wouldn't say that's a I would not say that is a tie game. That's not a tie game mathematically, (laughs) but a two possession game with 10 minutes to go. I mean, to me, that's like, okay, it's basically a tie game. I mean, you're right there. That's a two-possession game with 10 minutes left. Yeah, a one-possession game is essentially like a tie game when you think of it in that terms. Right. So, I mean, it's a two-possession game. You're literally a bucket, a quick turnover, and a bucket 
from tying the game. Um, and that, that series of events could happen in a span of 10 or 15 seconds. Like that's how close you are in a five point game with 10 minutes left. So I wouldn't even consider the Michigan state game to be the same as the Indiana game. Cause the Indiana game, they were ran off the floor early and that's how it stopped. The Buckeyes made a run right. against Michigan state second half. And it was like, got within five. They had the ball. Okay. You have a chance to make this a one position game and you turn it over and you give them three back to eight. And then it's like the balloon is popped. And then from there, it just like got much worse, but they 10 minutes left. They're right there again. Like very few, only really the Indiana game. Did they just get ran off the floor? It was over pretty much as soon as it began. And that's where I think that, that Purdue, even this weekend, Purdue, like, it will not shock me in the least bit if in no. the final five minutes of this game, the score is like 62-56 Purdue. And like Ohio State is right there in the end against Purdue. And they Jane will Ivy hits the game winner. Yes, exactly. They will lose. They will find a way to lose. No, it's no doubt about that. It will almost definitely be a, a tight, a good tight game, I'm guessing. It typically is. Also, I just realized I said the Wisconsin game. They were then striking this the whole time. I meant to say Michigan. The Wisconsin game was the, the Chris Holman ejection. So, like I said, these games are all molding together in my head. But even the Wisconsin game. Even, even the Wisconsin, Wisconsin game, game, they did come back. But that was more of the chasing point I made because they, they were, like Michigan State, they were chasing the whole second half. The Michigan and Northwestern yeah. game, if yeah. they weren't chasing in the second half. It was pretty much back and forth. They just could never pull away. So, And that's where I think the ta- – the, so I think that – there's enough talent on this team, right? Just pure talent. Sean McNeil eventually is going to hit some shots. Justice Sewing gets to his spot, hits that little left, you know, left little pull-up jumper he likes. Bryce sends the ball, can score from anywhere. Like, Bruce Thornton needs to be so much more assertive than he is, but when he's assertive, he's fantastic on offense. Like, there's talent there. It's just, it's so inconsistent, and it's so hard to get. And I do think it's a part, it's part of the roster construction. And I said this to somebody, and I was like, you know, obviously – we tend to be more, I think most people will call us defenders or Chris Holtman. Um, but when I say the when I say the roster construction is bad and it, it, they never gelled this year, that's a that's a criticism, right? Because that's that's your job. And it just this team on paper before the season started, it looked really good. And at times this season, it's looked really good. But for the most part, and this is a this is a problem you have or a chance that you take when you have ten or eleven new guys. It just hasn't really shown on the court, especially in conference play. And that's what happens. You have these runs of like, wow, this team looks really good. They're on a 12-2 run. Wow, they're on a 16-2 run. Wow. But then they go seven minutes without scoring. Then they go eight minutes without getting a stop. And it's just it's too inconsistent to string together any type of wins. Yeah, I mean, the team is just – they're bad defensively. It's been like that for three years. Um, but I do think that – I do really think that that's going to change next season. I don't I don't know if last season if I said that or if we said that, but I think next season when you have a starting lineup of Bruce Thornton at the 1, Roddy Gale at the 2, and then you're going to have one of either Scotty Middleton or Devin Royal um sitting at the 3/4 in the middle there. I I think that that is that's going to be if it's Scotty, if it's Scotty at the 3 and you have Bruce, Roddy, Scotty um which is which is funny and rhymes. That's going to be three really good on-ball ah, defenders. Throwing, Bruce throwing throwing Bronny, Roddy, Scotty, Bronny, <laughs> Bruce, Bronny, Roddy, Scotty. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not Bruce that is a good defender. 
Bruce is a good defender. Roddy is turning into a very good defender. Scotty is going to probably come into college as a pretty good defender as a freshman. So I think that with those guys on the court, I think that you're laying the you're laying the the train tracks or the the uh, whatever word you want to put that for some really good a really good defensive lineup. But this year it's not it. <laughs> this year ain't it. They don't have any combinations that they can put out there of guys that are going to get consistent stops while also being able to get buckets. Um, you well, they don't have Isaac likely. You can't put yeah. Isaac likely on the floor for defense because then the offense might go stale. You can't leave yeah. Bryce Sensabaugh on the floor for ten to fifteen minutes straight because he might score. Right now, he's really struggling, but then he's going. He's going to give up buckets on the other end. Well, and that's like you know a, a lot of people criticized Holtman because you know Sensabaugh, whatever during the Northwestern game, he only played like sixteen minutes or whatever, but or the Michigan game, whichever game it was. But it's like most of the game like, he they was were winning. Like ass. Yeah, most of the game they were winning. So it's like okay, wh- wh- you know what? What kind of do you want them to do there? You know, and when you watch, when you listen, when you watch the game, there's sometimes, and this is where the this is the difference between Malachi and Bryce to me. Because a lot of obviously the comparison is 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 obvious, right? The compared to just the two probably probable one and dones of the past two years. It never looked like when it wasn't there, Malachi was forcing it. Now, to be fair, it never really looked like it wasn't there for Malachi outside of like some games early in the season. But it does feel like, and maybe that's a part of like Malachi and EJ to, to play off of, right? Bryce Sensabaugh doesn't have that. I completely recognize that. This isn't a criticism. He's a freshman. He's the best player on their team, or best, at least offensive player. I'm positive one to say best player, but best offensive player by far. Uh, probably the best player. Probably an NBA draft pick. Probably, for, I mean, definitely an NBA draft pick. Probably a first round draft pick this year. Maybe a lottery pick. I've seen it fluctuate all of which ways. So it's hard to predict right now. But it's what was I saying? Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry, my brain is all over the place. Um, it never looked like Malachi was forcing it when it wasn't there. With Bryce, sometimes it's like he either gets moving a little too fast or he just kind of starts forcing it, and it, it can really take him out of his own rhythm. It feels like, and and that's where I think. He could just use one more year to kind of learn underneath that. You know, you're bringing back a lot of guys last year that you didn't get to bring back this. Like, you know, you got 11 new guys this year, 10 new guys. Next year, at least Bruce will be back. Felix will be back. Roddy will be back. You know, there there are guys that are coming back to this team. Zed will be back. So maybe Eugene, maybe Tanner, who knows. But um, you'll have kind of that that connective tissue that you didn't get to have this year. Especially with Bryce being a freshman, he had no connectivity, you know, no tissue with any of these guys. He's new to the to the whole team. So I don't know. I, I just think that he could really use one more year. Again, like I said, he's a phenomenally talented player. There's no no shade on him in that regard. I just think he could use maybe one more year to fine tune some of those skills. And maybe that's just selfishly me wanting him back because I know that he could I think next year they may be a top fifteen team in the country if he comes back. Um obviously that's complete conjecture, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm trying to find um, the most recent mock draft on the athletic because Bryce was on the day of the Iowa game. Bryce was the number 14 pick in that mock, which if he is being mocked as the number 14 pick, he is gone. He is good as gone. Yeah, and, and, um, and more. There and will be no hesitation. I would never criticize. Yeah, I would. You can never criticize a dude for going if he's going to be a lottery pick. I mean, damn. But after but. he's been, he has objectively been bad, and he has hindered his team's ability to win the game on both ends of the court the last three games. So I'm just, I'm wondering 
I'm wondering if the most recent mock draft maybe drops him. And I think he's a really good player. I like him a lot. Like a year ago when we had the draft class and we would talk about the draft class, Bryce Sensabaugh was always the one that I said I was the most excited for. And he was still like a not even a top 50 player. I just saw a big, respectfully, a big chunky kid who has a lot of fun playing basketball, who knocks down threes like crazy. And I was like, listen, I don't know how he's going to pan out or how well-rounded he's going to be, but he's going to be so much fun to watch. And I said that like a year ago. I like him as a player, but like, man, it's been rough the last two weeks or so. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're never going to win games when your two, I guess, your two best players are probably, Bryce is definitely number one, probably just assuming is number two. Um what were they, five for 25 combined against Michigan State, something like that, three for 14 and two for 15. So, ice, or two for 11. You just, you're never going to win games like that. And just as I, you know, it's been up and down a year for him. He's been better as of late, but I do think it's just been hard for him to, you know, since he transferred from Cali, sat a year, played, sat a whole year with injury, play. It's hard to get back into that groove when you're just, everything's kind of stopping and starting and stopping and starting. And, I think for him, he just never quite got back to that model of consistency at a Cal, and obviously the Pac-12 not as deep as the Big Ten, so you know that that's probably a factor. But um, he he has been better of late, so I give him a lot of credit there. But and no matter how much he struggled, his his effort hasn't wavered. So I, I do again credit him there. Yeah, I do think um, Justice got a lot of a lot of flack. I would say from us as well, but also from just in general, the fans. And it was just a general, even the coaches were willing to admit, like, yeah, he's just going through it right now. He's not playing well. The last three or four games, I guess Michigan State, he played pretty poorly, but literally everybody on that team had a bad game. Um, That's also a tough matchup for him. The three games prior to that, um, he was averaging like 14 points and 14 points a game and like eight rebounds a game. And he was shooting nearly 60% from the floor for that three game stretch before Michigan State. So like, he was playing pretty well. He still can't hit a three to save his life, which is really weird because he was a much better shooter um, pretty much his whole career before this. So I don't know why, you know, I don't know why it's fallen down so much, but yeah, I mean, he got a lot of flack, but there weren't a ton of people who came back around afterwards and were like, Oh, you know, justice has really bounced back and is playing well. It was a lot of shit thrown on justice. And then there wasn't. I didn't see a whole lot of a whole lot of like, hey, you know, Justice has bounced back and he's playing no, pretty no well. No one's going right to say now. that. They're, they just go silent when he starts playing well. That's the unfortunate part. And don't I look? And I'm not going to get on my soapbox here. No one needs to hear. No one cares. I'm sure. But and obviously, there 
obvious fair criticisms for the team this year. I'm not going to sit here and say you can't criticize a team that's 11 to 14 and objectively wildly underperforming. However, we do this thing and we do with everything that we cannot criticize while also giving flowers where flowers are due. And when Justice Swing was playing well, none of those flowers were being given. They were just either criticizing his play before or just throwing that criticism onto someone else like Zed Key or at the time Bruce Thornton was struggling, so it was him. Um, I mean, there were people willing to give up on a freshman point guard who objectively had a good it's had a good season. Just went through a little tough spell. That's that's ridiculous. Bruce Thornton is going to be a force in the Big Ten. Yeah, Bruce Thornton. Bruce Thornton is going to be one of the best Ohio State point guards of the past, I would say, probably 30, 40 years by the time he's done at Ohio State. Uh, his fresh, I mean, his freshman year so far has been objectively very, like, very good. So he's averaging nine points a game, 2.6 assists, 2.8 rebounds. He's shooting 43.8% overall, 37% from three, 78% from the free throw line. Um, 2.6 assists to 1.4 turnovers. Not fantastic, but not bad. Um, Especially in the non-conference, he played really well early on. He's just he hit a little bit of a a tough a tough spot for a six or seven game stretch. But the last couple of games, also Bruce has played really well. He had I think twenty two at Michigan. Yeah, um, kept him in that game, and that's like a refreshment to step up in that moment in that atmosphere against your biggest rival. It says all you need to know. And also, again, he had that bad six game stretch. For some freshmen, that can kill them. For him, it literally just made him better. He worked out of it, so I there's no doubt in my mind at one point he's going to be an all-big – I said this about Roddy Gale, too. I think they're both going to be all-big 10 players by the time they're done here, and there's no reason – I mean, giving up on them is just is nonsense to me. Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I can't – I don't expect this team to win a game until I, I see them win a game, I guess. That doesn't make much sense, but also it makes perfect sense. Like, yeah, you can say – sense to me. All, all the logic, like you can say like, oh, this matchup makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. Ohio State's already had several games where you're like, listen, everything lines up. You have to win this game, and they don't. So until they can win a game, I won't believe that they will win another game. But it, it, I still, what I see with my eyes still is a team that is, they look defeated, and they doubt themselves. Um, they're good enough to hang with every team in the Big Ten because they already they have. have. Because <laughs> they minus, literally have. Minus, like I said. Like I said, minus Indiana, who ran them off the court. But I still do think that, I'd say hypothetically on a neutral court, or if Indiana came to Columbus, they could hang with Indiana. They can hang with anybody, but after you lose so many games, when you get to the final few minutes, like the Northwestern game where you're up yeah. a couple points, or, or another game where you're down a couple points, whether you're up three or down three with three minutes left, they're looking at each other like, okay, how are we going to mess this up? Or like, they miss a crucial three that maybe would have pushed it from three to six. And you can just feel all the air get let out. Like, Oh boy. Okay. All right. This is going to, the wheels are going to come off now. Right. And the wheels always come off the bus in the final. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like to me is like, they trust themselves because I see it, but also at the same time, when if it's late in the game and like, again, the other team hits a big three or they miss a big three, it's kind of like, they start looking around like, Oh shit, not again. You know? And that's where you kind of get, I mean, the Northwestern game, with 11, at 11.48, they're up 45-42. At 8.27, they're down 48-47. At five at uh, 4.44, they're down 61-52. But then at, th- at 2.59, they're down 61-57, right? 
But at no point in that game do I think they were going to win. They were winning nope. with 10 minutes left. At no point in that game do I think they were going to win the game. This is at home against Northwestern. Now, Northwestern is technically in second place in the Big Ten. However, it's also TBB by 16 on the road. <laughs> you know, it's just at no point do I think they're going to win the game. And that's the issue you run into. I mean, they were, and they were catching a Northwestern team that the last three games they'd scored in the 50s. And they scored 69. So, nice. And it's on the guys and it's also on the coaches because 100%. If your guys if your guys look defeated, if your guys have this attitude in the final 5 minutes of how are we going to lose this game or like not an intensity of like not a hungry attitude of like we're up 3 with 3 minutes left or we're up 3 with 4 minutes left, it's time to step on their necks and put this out of reach. Let's finish this. Or we're down 3 with 3 minutes left. Let's go. We're right there. Let's finish this. Let's go. Like uh, Felix Akpara, you mentioned this before we started recording, said I wasn't at the media brief with the players on Tuesday, but I guess he said something like we need to have more dog in us in close games and that people look too calm in the final minutes of games that are close. Like they don't have the attitude of we're up by a little bit. So let's let's put this thing away, or we're only down by a little bit. Like stand up, let's go, get pumped up. We're gonna we're gonna do this shit. Like almost like they look resolved to the fact that you know we're probably gonna lose this game, and it is what it is. And look, and when you lose like that, I like I understand. You know what I mean? I, it's easy to get that way. It really is. And I hope maybe we're wrong. I hope we are. We're just going up what we see. You know what I mean? We're not in that locker room or anything, but I do hope that they at least finish out the season strong, maybe a couple wins down the stretch, you know, get some experience. I, I do like that they started three freshmen. Um, also, if you keep criticizing Holtman for changing up the starting lineups, why? You Nothing's working. That's when you make changes. Like, <laughs> I, I understand changing it every single game. They're losing every single game. So you change it up. I liked the three freshmen starting. Because that could be again if Bryce comes back, they could be. That's probably three starters next year. Almost guaranteed three starters next year. Get them that experience. I'm I'm interested to see kind of how the rotations work moving forward. Ice likely only played six minutes against Michigan State, so you know I don't know if that is just a game thing. I don't know if maybe he'll play less going forward. I don't I don't really know, but I just know that stood out to me. So I don't know. We'll see. It's um. I can tell you that Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report has Bryce, this was as of yesterday, going 16 overall. And Sports Illustrated has Bryce going 19 overall. And Yahoo has Bryce going 19 overall. All right. I mean, I guy went 20. I think I, I from know. what I'm getting, from what I'm seeing and what I'm – I don't want to say hearing like people are telling me at the program, like, yep, he's already made up his mind. It's done. Um, the assumption, the assumption from people around the program is that he is gone. Which, because of these kinds of things. I mean, again, if you're mocked by every draft, be top 20 pick, you probably will be. And there's no reason for you to come back. I understand that. So they know how many, right. So they get the credential applications for how many NBA scouts are coming to the games too. So they, well, and also the biggest, they can tell how many, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's not, it's probably not. Good for it's good for Bryce, not good if you want him to come back. That the biggest scout game of the year, he had probably his best game, the North Carolina game. So, 
Yes. Like, so they know how many NBA scouts, like they can tell when they had a couple NBA scouts at a game. So all of a sudden we have a dozen NBA scouts or we have 15 or whatever. Like it's not just, it's not just social media. It's like, you know, they're contacted by NBA teams. There are people are asking to come watch him. So you can tell when the hype is picking up and you can tell if all of a sudden that was to die down, which it hasn't. So I still think he's, I, th- I think he's gone. It seems like the team is also assuming he's gone. Um, does not seem like that's going to impact the recruiting class. Doesn't seem like anybody is going to decommit. Um, they're not going to fire Chris Holtman. I, <laughs> I still, I still don't think that Chris Holtman leaves Ohio State until Chris Holtman says I'm leaving Ohio State. <laughs> until they fire, until they fire Calipari. Let's be honest. That that is a job that people can can scoff and laugh all you want. When Calipari leaves Kentucky, that phone call is getting made to Chris Holtman. It just yeah. is. You can. You, thought, I've seen people literally call Jardy and other people stupid online for saying that. It's almost a fact. So I don't, you know, yeah, whether you agree with it or not, probably, that's not what this is about. He'll get an interview for the Kentucky job whenever it comes open, assuming he hasn't taken a different job at that point. I think that if Notre Dame had opened up in, say, 2025 and not 2023, if yeah. things were still heading south, honestly, I. That makes a lot of sense too. But Michael Shrewsbury makes a lot of opening, sense, I think, for that one too. But he's just been at Penn State yeah. too short a time, maybe. But yeah, this isn't a coaching podcast. But that would be a bummer. I, I like we like Penn State. Very we're, much. We're agree. a big Penn State podcast, and I would be really disappointed if he left for Notre Dame. I think he's. I think he's a fantastic head coach. Another name that I think will definitely. This isn't a secret that will pop around at pretty much all these big openings now is Dennis Gates. Um just because what he's doing it. But again, he's only been in Mizzou for a year. So, you know, it's funny too. a little soapbox here. Um, I saw people talk about when it comes to coaching and stuff and a little big example of like, you can find a coach anywhere, which also is just objectively not true, but you can find a coach anywhere. They're pointing to Dennis Gates at Missouri, right? It is Dennis Gates, right? Why does that not sound right? Am I saying that wrong? No, it Dennis is Dennis Gates. Gates. He okay. came from Cleveland yeah. State to Missouri. Yeah, which yeah. he did, again, objectively an amazing job. Dennis Gates is an incredible head coach, by the way. Um, but I keep seeing people, and they're like, look at, the, look at what Dennis Gates is doing year one at Mizzou. He's a National Coach of the Year candidate. Well, guess who else was a National Coach of the Year candidate his first year at a, at a program? Hmm. Right. I'll let other people fill in that blank. Sometimes you got to let this stuff marinate a little bit and just see how it goes. Um, because that's just proving my point. <laughs> the answer for people that might not know is Chris Holtman. Um, so, like, and again, I think Dennis Gates is going to do a great job in Missouri. But I'm just saying, like, you got to let these things kind of naturally progress sometimes. And I do think that when it comes to coaching, you know, we, we always say, I, I don't know why this is such a hot take that it's impressive they've been to the tournament every year under Chris Holtman. Literally only six coaches have done it over the past seven years, been to the tournament every year. And it's the other five are elite coaches by any metric, right? And then the argument comes, well, they've gone further. Yes, that's but that's not the argument I'm making, right? I get that, but that's not the argument I'm making. I do think they've underperformed in March. Chris Holtman will be the first one to tell you they've underperformed in March, right? I'm sure that Earl Roberts' loss still keeps him up at night. I Like, I get that. But, again, this is kind of where it comes with that. Like, you can criticize while also giving flowers where flowers are due. That is objectively a good stat. And will end this year? Very likely. But do you get rid of a guy the first time he has a bad season? 
they've had probably disappointing finishes to seasons, probably two of them. They haven't had a bad season because they've only lost in the first round of the tournament one time, and that was when they were two seed. That's not a bad season. That's a bad end to a season. And other years, they won the first game of the tournament. You can't win a game in the tournament and have a bad season. Okay, so that's where I just I, – is it a bad season this year? Absolutely. But I do think, and I'm sure people will vehemently disagree with me on that, and that's fine. It's a great part of human nature. We all have different thoughts. I do think that he's earned the right to pull them out of this or at least have a chance to. So that's And that's where we'll see the next class come in. I also think jumping into a new job and suddenly being the conference coach of the year, taking the program to the NCAA tournament, to the Sweet 16, whatever, your very first year, that's, that's the exception. That's, that's not the norm. What, what Eric Musselman did at Arkansas, um, you've mentioned Dennis Gates, those things, that's not what typically happens when a coach takes a new job, inherits a no. roster of recruits that he didn't recruit. I mean, look at Indiana under Archie Miller the entire time he was there. Look at, look at Louisville right now, right? Yeah. Look at Matt McMahon down at LSU. It's the exception that a coach takes over and suddenly is like, boom, we're, we're, we're going to come in second place in the conference. Typically, it does take a, a year or two for them to really start rolling. Um, that isn't how it was with Chris Holtman at Ohio State. He got there and they immediately started rolling. There's struggles in year six. In most programs, in your first year or two, you're building it up to really start rolling. There are some counterexamples, but that's the exception, not the norm. So, you know, I understand that people will throw out examples of look at this coach that took this program right away. Look at this coach. But you're pointing out the exceptions. You're not pointing out how it normally goes. There's no guarantee that if you hired somebody, there's no guarantee that if you hired a new coach next year, Ohio State would go whatever 14 and six in the big 10 and you know come in second place their first year there's no guarantee more likely than not they would probably miss the tournament again because that's how it typically goes with a first year coach yeah and, and look I, i'll make one more point and then we'll move on from this because i know people when a team's 11 14 you don't want to hear us just defend the coach I, I understand that and i understand the criticisms you know i really do the only thing i'll say too is i don't love the argument that oh well he only did it with modest team he can't do it with his own team his best season with that modest team first of all it's not true their best season was 2020 2021 again a very disappointing end to this season but they were still a two seed that went to the big 10 conference championship game subjective fact um just a very disappointing end of the season but that was their best season second of all you inherit when you inherit a team that you have lost the last two recruiting classes right the 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 second to last recruiting class for that model was the the train wreck that was Austin Grandstaff, Mickey Mitchell, right? AJ Harris. They, 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 all, Harris. Left. they yeah. all left after the first season. Jaquan Lyle left after the second one. Pretty sure Austin Grandstaff's in like jail right now. Like train wreck of a of a recruiting class. They were all gone by the time Chris Holman got there. And then when Mata was left, fired, whatever it was, mutually parted ways, I think was the, the term. Dane Goodwin, Darius Baisley. Decommitted. Goodwin went to Notre Dame. Darius Baisley went to the NBA. Only Derek person they retained from that class was Justin Arms. So, like, you lose two recruiting classes. Dad Mata brought in Kyle Young and got Caleb Wesson. Or Dad Mata. Chris Holtman brought in Kyle Young from Butler. Kyle Young was a Butler commit, brought him in, and then got the the Caleb Wesson commitment. And that's when, they, you know, yes, the players were there, but he lost two recruiting classes before that. That is no easy task, and they missed – 
look, again, I don't know why people think this is like a Thad Mata critique. It's just a fact. They missed the past two tournaments that going into that season. That is not a program at a great place. It doesn't take away from what Thad Mata did. At one point, he was one of the best coaches in America, right? He's the best coach in Ohio State history, bar none. It's not even close, right? All that's true. But it's also true. These last two years, they missed the tournament. They missed the NITs last year. It's just a fact. So it's tough to take that program over. I just, I don't know. I think he's earned the right with what he's done to pull them out of this. That's all. And look, in two years, if he doesn't, all right, let's talk. But I think you, I personally and, believe he will. Call me crazy. Yeah, I mean, with that said, you know, he's got to get his shit together. He knows he has to get his shit together from somebody that's been at 80% of the any possible media availabilities that involve him this season. He knows he needs to get his shit together. He knows that he has fallen short of expectations this season in a major way as a coach with this roster, that it is not just you're unlucky or this guy left early or this happened or this player had a death in the family and left. He knows that he has done a poor job with this roster to this point. And I would correct you and say he has one more year, I would say. As somebody who – Yeah, yeah. I think I'm still counting. I'm kind of still counting this year. So yeah. He's a little bit closer to the people that are a little bit closer. I can tell you, he probably has one more year. Like if, if we are talking in one year and Ohio state has three or four conference wins, he's out the door. But yeah, I just wanted to go over that and be like, we, we both like the guy a lot. I don't want to see him fired. I truly do. We both truly do think that if he stays, this program does have a final four elite eight run in them with him as the head coach. That being said, if this, if it's like this next year, he's gone. He's out the door, so yeah. That's I mean, how I would probably. Finish I would that. only. I would look at it like it's kind of the bar. Like you know, Dad might have missed the tournament twice. So if you missed the tournament twice, that's probably what you're looking at. But you know, just from a, you know, I, I know nothing point of view. Um, that's the way I would look at it. But we went into this thinking we would talk about Ohio State for like 10, 15 minutes. We were both like, "This team sucks." I'm dead inside. There's not much to talk about. 40 minutes later, here we are. So we did want to jump on something a little different that's not about Ohio State. If anybody has survived that rant and is still listening, we did want to revisit our final four picks from October, see how those teams are doing, and just in general, maybe take a look at what the bracket's looking like right now because my favorite podcast, I think we've only done it once, is when we sat and we fill out an entire bracket and make our picks. That's my favorite thing. Selection Sunday is my favorite day. And we're Which only we like still be doing this year regardless of Ohio State, I want to point out. Right? Absolutely. Okay. Thank yes, you. for sure. Yes, we'll still be doing that. We'll be covering that. I still um, very much love the tournament, whether Ohio State's in it or not. So obviously I love it way more I, when they're in it. But and like I, I said, I still think they can make it. I take the first uh I take the fir- first round off work. Thursday, Friday, I don't even I'm not available for work. Even if it was working yeah. home days, I'm not working. I'm that's I used to get one. I used to get one free day every year. My my mom and dad would be like, "Look, you get one year, one day every year. You just don't want to go to school. You don't gotta go. No excuse. Just you know, you, it's kind of like my, like a ten year old's version of a mental health day. Um, I would always take just the whatever day Ohio State played in the first round of the tournament. <laughs> I would just take the day off and just watch. The yeah, it's, it's better than Christmas. If I could, if I had to give up Easy. Christmas for for the first round of the tournament, I would do it without thinking. Anyway, yeah, our final fours. So we had two common picks, and we both had North Carolina, and we both had Houston. And right now, Bracket Matrix has North Carolina as the third 11 seed. 
now right again, where we want them. Yep. Right when the bracket comes out, there will technically be six 11 seeds because you have the two playing games of 11s. So as the third 11 seed, North Carolina would not be playing in Dayton as the play-in. They would just be the third 11, which would be what 11 11 sevens the matchup, right? Or is it 11 six? 11 six. 11 six. So they would 17. play. So they would play the second best six seed, which would be Creighton. It would be North Carolina Creighton in the first round, which is uh, my, one of my final two of my final four teams. So that would be tough for my predictions. That would be an absolute banger. We both thought North Carolina would be much better than this this season, but it kind of seems like if they just I get into the tournament, I think everybody did. This is where you get the contrarians who are like, "I knew North Carolina is going to suck." No, you didn't. Shut up. As long as they get in, they have a loaded roster. They'll whoever gets them as the first round if they're like a ten or eleven. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's that, is, that is objectively funny. This like, hey, good job. You're six seed. Hey, here's 11 seed. Ormondo, Baycock, Caleb Love, and RJ Davis. Good luck. Yeah. We both had Houston. Houston's a one seed. Houston's been one of the most consistent teams all season. They'll be a one seed. They'll get a 16. They'll win their first game against a 16. And then you know we'll see what happens after that. But Houston is a very reasonable pick for a Final Four. North Carolina, we'll see what happens. And that is where we differ. So I had I had Miami as one of my picks, which at the beginning of the season, Miami was unranked. Um, they were outside of the top 25. They are ranked now. They are a five seed right now in the bracket, which means they would play. They're the second highest five seed, which means they'd play the third, the number 312, which would be Southern Miss. It would be Miami oh. Southern Miss in the first round. They just, they just barely avoided the matchup no one wants, which is the Kent State Golden Flashes. <laughs> And um, I still think that I still think I still think Miami could make a Final Four. Um, I think it's possible. I think they're good enough to make the Final Four. I don't know. It's really funny when you watch Miami because you know a big statement, a sentiment around like the high State program is man. If only we got Nigel Pack, who's like having a decent season. He's like he's, when I watch that team though, he's, he's the like third, third best player. He's the third guard I'd want. I'd rather much rather have Isaiah Wong or Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller is fantastic. I don't know. I know they that's weren't options, a, but still. That's a fun team. Like I said, I think – Super fun team. Electric, explosive guard play in the tournament wins games. It can take over games. I think that they can make a Final Four, so I still think that pick is still fairly reasonable. And then my fourth was – I have TCU, um, which – Tough start to the they, season, but they've been good since. If they can get healthy, um, I think that they are also could be a Final Four caliber team – they are the final five seed right now, which means they would play the highest 12 seed, which would be TCU versus Oral Roberts in the oh, first round. Jesus. Um, Can't get away from that fucking team. Oral Roberts is also one spot above Ohio State and Ken Palm right now. But anyway, uh, TCU, Oral Roberts. TCU has been without Mike Miles for like five or six games in a row. Mike Miles, if people don't follow TCU, I hope you do follow TCU. He is like a – First team, all Big 12 caliber guy, averages 20 points a game. And then big, big Eddie Lampkin, their center, has also been out for four or five games. I'm sure people remember him from when they played Arizona in the tournament, and he went absolutely bonkers. Um, those guys are both out right now. So that's a little foggy when they'll come back. If they come back, if TCU could hold us a five seed. But I still think if they're healthy, TCU is a reasonable Final Four pick. And then your two picks... You had Creighton, which I'll tell you where they're at in the bracket. We already talked about that. Creighton is a six seed, the second highest six seed, which means they would play North Carolina in the first round. So you can tell us if you think Creighton is still a Final Four caliber team. Yeah, 100%. 
I think Creighton got off to a tough start to their season, but they're playing really good ball right now. And they're just incredibly talented. You know, I mean, they lost what it was last night to uh, Providence in double overtime at Providence. That's one of the tougher places to play. An absolute banger of a game. Maybe the game of the year. Baylor Shireman's fantastic. They got a lot of guys that can score. Uh, remember they and they they were losing a lot of games when Ryan Kalkbrenner wasn't playing. He's probably the glue that makes that team stick, and uh, they're seven foot center. So when he when he's out there, I think they can beat any team in the country. Honestly, I'm still on the Creighton train, and then the other team I had was Virginia. I'm still on the Virginia train as well. I think they they are a team that as long as they can score a little bit, they play just amazing defense. Reese Beekman is I think one of the more underrated players in the country. Um. Armand Franklin, the Indiana transfer, they need a little more from him. Ben Vanderplas has been a good kind of transfer addition. Jaden Gardner is a good forward. You know, they have a lot of good players. Isaac Isaac McNeely has been one of the more, like, surprising freshmen of the year. If you don't know who that is, just look up. He's got one of the sweetest jumpers in, in the game. So, yeah, I, this I think they can make a run for sure. This is a different kind of Virginia team. Um, friends of mine that don't watch college basketball all year long – they just know Virginia as all defense, slow down the pace, um, a bunch of white guys that have great fundamentals, which most years that is accurate. Um, this Virginia team has some legit athletes on this team. Like they have some, like, it's not, it is not just slow it down. Let's find a way to win 60 to 54 every game. I mean, they have some guys who can go ISO and really cause problems. Like Armand Franklin is still on that team, right? Yeah, yeah. Jaden Gardner, you said. Like, he's, I think he's their X factor. When he's playing their best, they're really tough to beat. They are similar to the 1920 team. They're not as talented, but that was like another kind of different example of a Tony Bennett team. Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter. You know, Gia Clark is still there, by the way. But, um, you know, that that team was more like, okay, we can score 70. We can score 75. We can win these, these track meet type games. So this Virginia team's like that as well. So that's why I just – yeah, they're not quite as talented. I mean, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter, you're not going to find many better trios. Wasn't like, D.P. Was on that team too? Yeah. I mean, that starting five was unreal. Um, and then my guy Jack Salt off the bench, of course. So they, they had a, that, that was a very talented team. But this team is similar in terms of just play style. So like I said, Reese Beekman is a first-team All-ICC guy. So. You're, uh, Virginia's the second-highest three which would match them up with the second, which would be the third 10 seed, which is Pittsburgh. But since they're both ACC, they would probably avoid that, and they would probably flip Pittsburgh in the next 10, which is Boise State. So you'd probably well, you said they'd be, a three seed that, they'd be a three seed to play a 10 seed? Oh, wait, I'm stupid. You're right. Hold they'd on. They play a 14. Jesus Christ. Um, redact. The third 14 is Iona. It would be uh, Rick Pitino. Oh, Jesus. Well, we'll probably lose that game. So, it'll be, it'll it'll be a fun run. Uh, <laughs> it'll be a fun run. We'll probably lose that game. Um, but, yeah, Iona's really good. And then, I guess, are there any other just – I'm curious if there's any other – I, I want to say mid-major, but if I say mid-major, then you're just talking about why Kent State is going to make the Sweet 16. Just in general, what I guess you any, that other, impression? any other teams that you think are getting hot at the right time? Like, for me – All right, I won't say Kent State, but I will say Toledo. Um, they've won eight in a row, I think, or something similar to that. Uh, the, the problem with the Mac, we talked about this before, and like I, you could very, if you pay attention to college basketball, I don't think anybody that that truly watches it and follows it and understands it would have a problem with Akron, Toledo, and Kent State all getting in. 
but a Mac hasn't gotten that large bid since 2000, which I'm pretty sure is the Wally Zerbiak Miami Ohio team. Um, yeah, so it's not going to happen. But uh, whoever wins the conference tournament will get in. But it sh- they should get all three bids. But if I had a mid-major team I was watching, I would say it's. Well, I mean, St. Mary's is also hitting a hot streak like no other. I think Logan Johnson had 35 the other day. Like they're on they're on absolute fire. This is Loyola Marymount's very good. Justin Orange hasn't been great, but Loyola Marymount's been very good. One of the better freshmen in the country as well. Um, they they they. I, somebody said this is the most excited they've been about a Loyola Marymount team in like 25 years or something. Like so, I don't know. Maybe the WAC has some stuff cooking. It's tough. To, it's, it's even for us college basketball sickos. It's really tough to keep up with the WAC just because they play it ass of the night. But who yeah, who's your team? Um, yeah, I, well, I wasn't going to but... say mid-major. I wasn't going to go with mid-major. I was just talking oh. in general. But just in general, I think that uh, Baylor has got really hot. I think Baylor's yeah. a team that could actually make a Final Four. I think I like this Baylor team that's not going to be a one seed better than I liked last season's Baylor team that was a one seed. Uh, Keontae George, LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, the, that trio of guards is oh my god, unbelievable. Um, Baylor just got Jonathan Chamwa Chachua back. Um, even if it's mostly an emotional boost, he's like a big difference maker on defense. Um, they still have Flo Thamba, which is like, he was the butt of all the mom. We want Mo Bamba. No, we have Mo Bamba at home tweets. They have Flo Thamba yeah. down low. Um, they're getting hot. They're, they're, they're a real good team. And then also, a team that Ohio State played early in the season that didn't start very well, but they have come on lately. That's is, like the understatement of the century, but yeah. San Diego State. Oh, I thought you were going with Texas Tech. <laughs> I was like, they started oh. 0 and 10 in conference play. They started a, lot, a little worse. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, no I agree. State, San Diego State is hitting. A, they, yeah, they're in their stride. They're ranked right now. They are a sixth seed, and I think they'll end a little higher than that um, because of all the things that we said about San Diego State back in November. Very, very, very veteran team. Several different guys who could kill you, as you saw when they played them. We expected it to be a low-scoring game, and that wasn't even the case. San Diego State was knocking down shots, so – I think San Diego State and Baylor are the two teams that, when I look real quick, are like ascending. And if they hit the tournament on a hot streak, um, they could both win several games. Yeah, it's painful for me to say this because it's hard for me to admit when Ohio State's not the best team in, in the state of Ohio. This year, it's a little bit easier to admit that. I do like Xavier a lot. Sule Boom has been one of the more like impressive, underrated transfers. Obviously, you got guys, you know, they, they got the big boys with. Um, uh, Jack Nudgy and uh, the guy that's hurt, whose name is escaping me. I'm so tired. Zach, uh, Freeman, Freemantle. Yeah, Zach Freemantle. Um, they have Adam Kunkel who can knock down shots, and then Colby Jones is maybe their best player. So they got a lot of um, they have a lot of talent there. I just I need to see them win outside the Centos Center. You know, it's just like there. I mean, if the Dense Tournament played the Centos Center, they're winning the championship. Put all your money on. Yeah, it. but I mean, they lost to Butler at Butler. Yeah, Butler, it, it, once they leave the Centos Center, they, yeah, they forget how to play basketball. Um, so I'll give. I like Xavier, but I do need to see them win. I need to. I need to see them in the Big East tournament. That's neutral. You know, I I need to see them on neutral floor and see how they play. So, I Xavier, I'm like, I'm like. Uh, like a foot in the water. I'm, I'm testing the waters on Xavier. I feel the same exact way about UConn. Same exact way about UConn. Last I like what I'm seeing, but I need to see it. I need to, I need, I, my, my, I'm dipping my toes in the water. I need to see what the water feels like. Um, I might just go play in the hot tub. I might just avoid the pool altogether. We got to mute you right now. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Last thing, he did torch Ohio State, so we're not talking shit about his game, but it is funny because it seems like every time the Hunter Dickinson opens his mouth, it just I mean, blows up in his face. Um, the most recent, nonsense he has a podcast at this point. Like All, all you do is most, talk shit about teams you haven't played yet, brother. Play them first. The most recent example of Hunter Dickinson talking shit and it blowing up in his face. I'm sure you saw this. You had to have seen this. He said that, first of all, he said that Wisconsin – were a bunch of scumbags, and then he showed up. He showed up. To, First of all, why? <laughs> like, he showed oh, up to the game. He showed up to the game against Wisconsin in a ski mask. Oh my god! And Juwan and Howard's that, kid was wearing a free Juwan shirt too. That's. And he said that they're going to steal a win in Madison, and I mean, Wisconsin didn't score a bucket for the final ten minutes and forty-seven seconds of that game, and Michigan still lost by five. He shot so the ball nine times. He couldn't even he couldn't even steal a bucket himself. He walks in with a ski mask. He calls them scumbags. Walks in with a ski mask on. Says we're going to steal a win, and then they end up losing the game. I think and every I single just, team he's talked about on his podcast, they've lost to. I, I don't get it. It's just at least wait awful. till you played them, my guy. That's the smart thing to do. <laughs> then you know. You got anything yeah. else? All right. It's all been right. that kind of year. I don't have anything. I wasn't going to let you talk anymore anyways. All right. If you find us on the website, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your music and podcasts so that uh, when we put out new episodes, you'll be notified. We also may have some good news here in the next couple of weeks about what happens with this uh, program beyond February. So stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah. That is good. Um, yeah. What was my part of this? Oh, uh, follow us at, on Twitter at BucketHeadLGHL. <laughs> and follow me at Justin underscore Golba, but I'm pretty much not on Twitter anymore. Uh, it's just been that kind of year. Um, also, I just think in general, like my job, my, my, my main job, I'm a director of communications. And also with this, you know, Twitter is just, I got too many, I got too many, too many fish in the pond right now. So, um, but yeah, you can follow us at BucketHeads. You know, still trying to build that up a little bit. So it's t- I don't really tweet during games anymore. I just there's no point to. But um, yeah, we'll still tweet some fun stuff out. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at Lamons underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore C-O-N-N-O-R. If you, if you lasted this long, we appreciate you for listening. <laughs> Everybody have a great weekend and go Bucks. <laughs>